great Odin's raven. This is crazy. This is crazy. This is crazy. This is, uh, this is ridiculous. Okay, I'll go. I'll go. I'll go. I'll go. I'll go. With, I'll go. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the FilmPulse.net podcast, episode 49. My name is Adam. Today I'm joined by Kevin. How are you, Kevin? I'm doing all right. This week, we'll be doing two reviews. Uh, first up, we have Zero Dark Thirty, and then we also have Gangster Squad. We have some Amazon Blu-ray deals. We'll be making our weekly movie predictions, and finally, we'll be going over this week's DVD and Blu-ray releases. Uh, first, let's kick things off with some of what we've been watching. Since we didn't do one last week, I think that we'll just do kind of a, an overview of what we've been watching over the last few weeks. So I, what I think I'm going to do is just kind of plow through the list of what I watched and maybe just highlight some of um, some ones that are even worth mentioning because I saw a lot of crap. Nice. Uh, first, I saw The Impossible. This is the new disaster flick but it's it's more than just a disaster flick i i actually liked it a lot more than what i expected although i i still had serious issues with it it is uber melodramatic i mean it's really sappy but that's kind of a given like i i figured it would be that that way yeah uh i still recommend checking it out just because the actual tsunami scene is amazing. Like, I was really blown away with how they did that. It looked incredible. And uh, although I've never been in a tsunami, it felt a lot more realistic than a Roland Emmerich film. Oh, good old Roland Emmerich. <laughs> it just, it, it felt very real. And the aftermath was devastating. And it's amazing that it's a true story, too. I feel like they probably embellished a lot of it because there was just so many things that happened in it that were like, all right, that's just too much of a coincidence. That's crazy. But yeah. I think we're going to have a review for that up soon, maybe by the time you listen to this. I believe Todd is reviewing it for us. Yeah. Uh, I saw Hitchcock moving on, uh, West of Memphis. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> moving on. I did not like Hitchcock. Um, West of Memphis was really good as well. I expected it to be just more the same. I mean, this is the fourth documentary. I was going to say, how, how many of these are we going to do? Uh, you know, I really want to support the Paradise Lost series because that's that's what started it all. I mean, that's what got them out of jail, basically. Yeah. And I really <clears throat> want to support that series. However... This is a much uh, more well-made documentary. It clearly had a higher budget. They had more like stars in it, like cameos. Yeah. Like Peter Peter Jackson was heavily involved in this, and it's it's just an incredible story. And I highly recommend this, even if you've seen the Paradise Lost series. I was going to say, do they add more? They do. They do. There were. There were certain things that they weren't allowed to include in Paradise Lost 3 that they were allowed to include in this one. Gotcha. So there is a lot more (laughs) stuff. This feels like the most complete one. Like, because those Paradise Lost movies were coming out as this was happening, there's certain things that weren't included in those. 
And Paradise Lost 3 is the most uh, complete of all of them because it recaps everything and then it introduces all the new evidence and stuff like that. But this one is kind of the full package. Gotcha. So I, I definitely recommend it. It was just an incredible story. Uh, I saw the sessions. I liked it a lot more than I thought I would. It was funny, a lot more funny than I thought it would be. John Hawks was obviously amazing in it. And Helen Hunt did a really good job, too. I just am sort of surprised Hawks didn't get a nomination for this. Yeah, I was, I was too. I mean, it wasn't, it wasn't like a mind-blowing performance or anything. I think that the nominees this year were all really strong and were equally as good as his performance. <clears throat> so, I don't know. I saw Hi. Not Fade Away, which is a, kind of a dumb title, I think, but... Um, is this the one that's been directed by the guy that did Sopranos? Yes, David Chase. Now, this movie to me looks terrible. You would hate it. Okay. You would absolutely hate with a passion this movie because this is not the type of movie that, that you generally like. But I, I actually liked it. I thought it was quite good. It was a lot different than I expected. It's basically about... Uh, it's almost a musical. I mean, it's... It's not, but the the music is really the central thing in this movie. Yeah. And uh, I, I love the music of that era, and I really liked it. I mean, James Gandolfini was awesome in it. He played the father, and it's basically just uh, sort of a love story, but it, it's more about rock and roll and, and growing up during that time when there's a lot of changes in music. Okay. So, yeah, I recommend that. Uh, Detropia, this is a documentary about Detroit, which I loved. It was really, really good. You know, I, I knew Detroit had it bad, but wow. Yeah. Wow. Detroit is not doing well. I mean, if they keep which going Which I think down, is a bit of an understatement. I mean, if they keep going down this path, they're not even going to exist anymore. It's crazy. Detroit. Uh, I saw Five Broken Cameras. This is uh, the Oscar-nominated documentary uh, about a Palestinian video journalist. And it this was incredible. Extremely powerful film. Heart-wrenching. Hard to watch. But it's, I feel like, one of those movies that's necessary. People need to see this so they can understand what's happening. And it, it certainly makes... Since it's from the the Palestinian point of view, it certainly makes the Israelis look like douchebags, because basically it takes place in this small village, and the Israelis just keep taking more and more land from them until they have literally nothing left, and it's just about their uh, nonviolent protests that they just continuously do in order to try to make a difference and it's like it seems like it's such a pointless endeavor for them to keep doing this because it's like every day they go and protest and then the police come and shoot at them and it's it's just amazing to to see the uh how they are so dedicated to this and yeah i'm definitely i'm really interested in seeing this yeah it's it's a very powerful film i saw silver linings playbook oh i I wanted to talk about this I think I saw this as well. I think like you, uh, at least judging from your little letterbox blurb, 
I, I feel the same way where this movie's bullshit. Well, I, I wouldn't call it bullshit. I liked <laughs> it. I liked it, but here's the thing. When I first saw the trailer for this movie, uh, first of all, I didn't know it was directed by David O. Russell. The first, the first trailer, first time I saw the trailer. Um, and I thought, oh, it just looks like another stupid uh, rom-com or dramedy mm-hmm. or whatever. And then I found out that it was directed by David O. Russell. It started getting all the hype. And I was interested. And it ended up on everybody's top ten list. And I was really interested. I was like, yeah, I really got to see this. Yeah. So <clears throat> I finally saw it. And I was, uh, I was underwhelmed. Yeah. I, now, I will say that for me, it was one of those things where it's like, okay, take take notes here because you can make a really good romantic comedy movie. Now, in that vein, I thought it was really good, but also the whole, all the hype around it and all the Oscar noms. Are you kidding me? Like best director? This isn't a director's movie. Anyone could have made this. Yeah, I, I would agree. I mean, th- that's the interesting thing is uh, I think you said it in your review where it's like. this if it wasn't see if it wasn't directed by david o russell it probably would be more of your standard romantic comedy yeah but with david o russell he gives it that kind of gritty handheld feel to it that makes it look more like an indie i have to say i was surprised by bradley cooper i thought he was really good in it and it was nice to see de niro in like a good well-rounded role oh yeah I, i thought de niro was great in it because, you know, essentially it's about his mental illness just as much as Bradley Cooper, Jennifer Lawrence. And I thought that the subtlety that he brought to, to having that disease was uh, very, very good. Very well, well done. That's the other thing I didn't like. I thought they only used the like um, Bradley Cooper's character's mental disease when they needed to, when it was convenient. Because yeah, he has I mean, like one breakdown, and then the rest of the movie, he's completely fine. Yeah, for the for the most part, he has some outbursts. But and I'm like, ah, I know people that have bipolar, and they're not like that at all. Yeah, I so mean, that bothered it, me. It was good. I don't know if it was worthy of eight Oscar nominations. <laughs> no, not at all. <laughs> oh, but I uh, mean, like Jackie Weaver. Jackie Weaver was good. But would she have like eight lines? Yeah, I mean, she, she was good, but I don't know. For a nom? Come on. I don't know. It, it was it was okay, but I think that the hype really brought it down for me. I, I wish that I didn't hear all the hype, and then I probably would have enjoyed it a lot more. Yeah, same here. And I think it's also a, sort of when we saw it. We saw yeah. it after the hype train. Mm-hmm. Like, did, what, I wonder what our thoughts would be if we saw it during all the hype. Well, see, I think that that would have been, you know, we've, we talked about having a lot of surprises this year or in 2012. And I think that that would have been one of them for me. I think that I would have been really pleasantly surprised if I didn't buy into all the hype. Same here, but I think at the end of the year, I still would have. You know, the Oscar noms, and it wouldn't have made a top ten list for me. No, no. Well, that was... I was um, talking to my girlfriend about it, and I was saying, well, you know, I was really upset that I didn't get to see Silver Linings or uh, Zero Dark Thirty before I did my top ten, but neither of those would make it on my top ten anyway. So we'll talk about Zero Dark Thirty in a a little bit. 
Plus, it had a really bullshit Hollywood ending. Yes, it did. So terrible. The yes, the the dance scene in particular, I thought was yeah, Come particularly on. sappy. But um, moving on, I saw Les Misérables, and you uh, loved it. You <laughs> fucking loved it. I didn't. I didn't love it. Uh, oh. I wanted to love it. There were. I mean, it was. There were aspects of it that were amazing. I thought that Anne Hathaway's performance was chilling. I mean, like, it literally gave me chills, and that doesn't happen to me a lot in movies. I thought that it was absolutely incredible. Incredible. Yeah, but but as soon as she's gone, you're essentially like, why do I care anymore? Well, yeah, and, and I wasn't familiar with the story. I mean, I knew that I knew what happened to everybody, but I wasn't really... I've never seen a version of it. I've never seen the stage show i've never seen any of that so it was all kind of new to me and mm-hmm. the visuals were crazy i i loved the look of the film but again like we said before i have serious issues with non-stop singing there at times it was laughable like oh yeah i was like how can people take this seriously it's especially Russell Crowe. <laughs> I, I thought he was just terrible. <laughs> yeah, he he had a rough go of it, and I just hated like the little interactions, like the chit chat, oh, and they they wouldn't really sing it, but they weren't talking. Yeah, it was. It was sort of like an unmelodic talking. It yeah. was very bizarre, and like those parts, they wouldn't even rhyme when they were singing, and it didn't. It was just, I did not like that. But one one question that I want to ask about this movie is when uh, the noise when Russell Crowe hits the water mm-hmm. was was that not ridiculous? Yeah, it was, it was ridiculous. It was just such a loud cracking noise. Well, I think just maybe out be- of nowhere. I think maybe <laughs> because the water was shallow. Well, yeah, but I don't. For me, it just. It made me laugh because it sounded so out of place and terrible. One thing that I thought was was a surprise was Eddie Redmayne's performance. I was really impressed with his performance because I, I don't know if I've seen him in a lot of other stuff. The only thing I can think of, which is, is funny because I was thinking of this throughout the movie, like whenever I'd see Hugh Jackman, I'd be like, that's Wolverine. That is Wolverine. And then anytime I'd see Russell Crowe, I'd just think Romper Stomper. <laughs> like for some reason with this movie <laughs> like how you don't you don't go gladiator no you go romper stomper yeah well, that's the thing like my mind just automatically went to the polar opposite role and i just kept thinking of romper stomper and then eddie redmayne i saw in that terrible movie hick where he's mm-hmm. like this redneck and it was it was just so funny but i thought that he did a really good job Although I, I I felt like he was singing like Kermit the Frog. <laughs> oh yeah, and then uh, finally, I saw a glimpse inside the mind of Charles Swan the Third. This is the new Roman Coppola film currently playing on demand with uh, Charlie Sheen, Jason Schwartzman, and Bill Murray. Uh, and I was disappointed in this. I wasn't expecting a lot. Yeah, but it is. As you might expect from the trailer, it is all over the place. Yeah, it does look 
It, is, it has no idea what it wants no, to be. No, it's it's just everywhere. It's it's a shame because I, I really want to like Roman Coppola. And I certainly like his writing, but uh, I'm not feeling this movie. Not feeling it. No, it's pretty ridiculous. Uh, I do give it kind of a pass because it is really funny. Like, a lot of it made me laugh, and I thought that Charlie Sheen was great in it. Like, I can't imagine anyone else playing that role other than Charlie Sheen. But in the end, it's pretty lackluster. Mm. Yeah. Uh, and that's pretty much all I got. I had a feeling. I had a feeling. All right. What I'm going to do is something different. You just you take a look at my film log and tell me which ones. What do you want to hear about? Okay. All right. Uh, well, I don't think uh, we talked about. Now, see, I saw Red Hook Summer. You saw that as well. What did you think of that one? Uh, I was, I liked it. I liked it for probably the first, maybe two thirds of the movie Mm -hmm. until they have the twist at the end. Yep. And I thought the twist was so unbelievably predictable. And it was out of nowhere too. Yeah. And just like when he stood up from the back of the church, I was like, please don't go there. Please don't. And then they did. And it's just. It just didn't seem to recover from it. And then it just, it, from that point, then it just, everything seemed rushed. Yep. And just ruined it. I wish they just kept that out. Because the first two thirds of the movie, I was like, I love this. Even though the shitty acting and everything, I just, I loved it. Mm-hmm. It was like, yes, this is a Spike Lee movie. This is great. And then it seemed like he was almost forced into like, adding a twist or adding some element, you know, to make it like yeah. grander and it just didn't work at all. It felt like he needed to add some sort of uh, big dramatic event or something. Yeah. Which is just it, when you look at the structure of movies like that, that happens a lot where somebody will die or, you know, something big will happen near the end of the, near the climax. But with this movie, there's still a lot that happens after that <laughs> big twist. Yeah. And again, like this, I feel like this is a movie that doesn't know what it wants to be. Yes, it it did. And then for some reason, it just completely changed it. Yeah, it makes a and complete yeah, like, 180 and you're just like, what? But I, one other thing that I have to say about it is I thought uh, Clark Peters was amazing. in this film who played, uh, you know, Bishop mm-hmm. Enoch. Yeah, he's he was uh, essentially the main character. I thought he was amazing. You would probably know him best from The Wire. He's, I don't know. He's, he's in, in a couple other things I've seen. Oh yeah, he's in he's in a lot of stuff. He's he's great. I like him a lot. Yeah, he was he was unbelievable in that movie. Okay. And they just ruined it. And uh it looks like you saw Sword of Doom. Oh, I saw Sword of Doom. This is one that I've that's been on my list of shame for a while. I haven't seen this. Watch it. Watch it. Oh my god, watch it. This movie is pure insanity. One of the most evil, vile characters I've seen on film, which is played by Nakadai. And this guy is just he's a sociopath. He just kills everything and everyone. And he doesn't care. He's just pure evil. Yeah, I definitely and want to see this. 
he has he he fights with it's called like silent form where it looks like he has narcolepsy like he's ready to fight and then he just sort of drops his sword and it looks like he fell asleep so Mm. the guy will attack and he just does you know quick quick move guy's dead and he just wrecks everyone and then there's a uh there's a sword fight in the snow which is just amazing and it's sort of funny because they make the mistake they want to kill this guy you know it's like a band of assassins and they want to kill a certain person so they go to do it and here it turns out it's the wrong guy so the guy gets out and he just says okay just tell me who you want to kill and apologize and we can be on our way but the band of assassins are like ah fuck it we had to kill him and he ends up destroying every single one of them nice and it's like why didn't you just apologize (laughs) or just leave like ah shit this isn't the guy let's go but no instead they all die and then at the end um Magadai's character is sort of like haunted by all the people he's killed over the years and he just completely loses his mind and starts cutting up this building and then the building catches fire and then everyone tries to kill him and he just goes on a murderous rampage and just destroys every single person and it just sort of stops like mid-fight, which sucks. But it was supposed to be like a trilogy, but they never got around to making the other two, which is unfortunate. I love that. Uh, we never got around to it. It's just really unfortunate because I would love to see what the hell happened. Yeah, I'm definitely going to have to check this out. This is on Criterion. It's a, it's amazing. I and you also saw it. Taboo. This is one that I was vaguely interested in seeing. Uh, this was on a lot of people's top 10 list, which of course got my attention, wanted to see it. And I remember reading about it when it was playing festivals and stuff and film comment, they were talking about it. This is, it's a good film. It's really good. Um, it's sort of a two-parter, uh, you know, about an old retired woman and her maid and her neighbor. And then she ends up passing away. And they sort of, in the second part, they sort of learn about her previous life when she lived in Africa. And when they do the second part of the story, it's uh, narrated by her lover in the present day, you know, the old man mm-hmm. narrating. And then the second half is sort of played back to you in like a silent film while he's narrating, mm. which the way that it's done, I haven't seen the artist, but the way that it's done this movie looks so much better in using that style than the artist does. Hmm. It's just the only, my only qualm is the first part is essentially just a setup for the second part. And the first part just seemed unnecessarily long. Hmm. Like they just really drug it out until you get to the second part where that's where it feels like the meat of the movie is hmm. like, okay, this is the part that they wanted everyone to see. The first part's just a setup, but for some reason they just took way too long to get to the second part. And it's sort of just your standard, you know, love triangle type deal. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I might still check this out. Probably not, actually. It's a great soundtrack, though. They got the jazz, you know, like 50s, 60s era. I like that. It was, it was an enjoyable film. I, I would definitely recommend it. It's just, you, you gotta... You got to be patient through the first part until it gets around to the good stuff. Okay. 
All right. Well, let's go ahead and move on. All right. Let's move it right along. Let's talk about some Amazon deals. This week, we're going to do it a little bit different rather than giving out some deals. I figured I'd highlight some of the stuff that's been uh, purchased through the site. And if you want to purchase items for yourself, just head on over to our site at filmpulse.net, click on the Amazon banner, and uh, we'll also have some links in the show notes for upcoming deals and whatnot. Uh, This week, got some interesting items purchased. All right. Uh, We have a VTech Disney Princess Magical Learning Laptop. Oh, yeah. That was me. Was it? Yeah, that was me. I figured. That was my sister's... uh Christmas presents. This is uh twenty two ninety two on that bad boy. Oh yeah. That's and then we deal. have uh a VTech InnoTab software Team Umizumi. Team Umizumi. Nineteen ninety three. And then finally we have a Nintendo Wii Nunchuck nineteen ninety nine. Now I didn't know that uh people were still playing the Wii, but People are still playing it. Still playing that Wii. Keep playing that Wii. So there you go. If you want to get a uh, Disney Princess Magical Learning Laptop, it's only twenty two ninety two on sale right now on That's Amazon. A hell, that's a hell of a deal. Yep. All right. Let's uh, let's go ahead and just kick kick these interview or er, interviews, kick these reviews off. Let's start by talking about Zero Dark Thirty. Now this was. One of my, uh, one of my most—I don't know if it was my most anticipated—but all the hype was getting to me with this one too. And uh, I must say, I wasn't let down. But we'll start with you since uh, I already did a review for this. It's up on the site right now. Hmm. Zero Dark Thirty. Oh, I, I should mention that this uh, is directed by Catherine Bigelow. And it stars Jessica Chastain, Mark Strong, Joel Edgerton, Chris Pratt, and a little cameo that I didn't know about. Mark Duplass is in it. Yes. Duplass is in everything. He is. I, I had no idea that he was in this movie. You can't get around it. It's a rule now. He has to be in at least like 20 films a year, I think. It's a good thing I like him. <clears throat> I well, think- I, th- <clears throat> I think he has like some sort of weird disease, sort of like like the movie Speed. Where he has to be in a certain amount of movies, or he dies. <laughs> he's he's like a shark. He just needs to yeah, he can't he can't sleep. He can't stop moving. So, what did you think of Catherine Bigelow's Zero Dark Thirty? Uh, the first thirty, maybe forty minutes, I was bored out of my fucking mind. I find and that interesting. I hated it. It's just I and I don't know. It was maybe. I don't know what I was expecting, or maybe I just wasn't in the right mood at the beginning of this film. But uh, Jason Clark's character, who does you know sort of the the enhanced interrogations in the beginning of the film, mm-hmm. every single time he would say, "If you lie to me, I'm going to hurt you," or you know it was always like a variant of that saying. It just irritated the shit out of me. I just wanted him to stop talking. Not to say that he was bad in this movie because i thought he was quite good yeah but uh, just for the first 34 minutes i was just like let's speed it up let's go let's get moving here i find it interesting because normally you're the one that doesn't mind slow-paced movies i know which is somewhat odd 
And see, I didn't have an issue with the pacing at all. I was I was uh, completely into it from the beginning. I was into the whole thing, but I, I like those kinds of movies, like the kind of political thrillers or, you know, that, that type of thing, <coughs> procedurals. Yeah. But I, I was into it from the beginning. I didn't find it... I, I find it interesting that you your number two movie of the year is Amore, which is probably the slowest, most well, boring yeah. movie I've ever seen. Well, yeah, that's about... I mean, that's people dying. People dying of old age. Of course it's going to be slow. Um, but I, I mean, yeah, it's it's a little qualm that I had. But after that first 30, 40 minutes, then, you know, shit ratcheted up and I was completely into it the whole way on. Yeah, I, I, I was didn't, riveted. Yes, it was very riveting. I didn't, I wouldn't have, like I said before, I wouldn't have put this on my top 10, but I thoroughly enjoyed it. I thought it was really interesting. I didn't know a lot about the whole process that they went through to capture bin laden or kill him i didn't know about the ins and outs of what happened i didn't read about it so to me it was very interesting and i thought it was well done i don't understand why people are all up in arms about the uh, torture scenes because to me as I said in the review, it, it's not a movie about that. It's it's to me it didn't it didn't feel like it was raising some kind of ethical question about that. It was simply showing us what happened. It was more about the movie was more about the process, the painstaking yeah. process of hunting him and finding him. Yeah, I don't I don't understand all the uh, all the hoopla over the the torture scenes and interrogations and everything because to me i don't think the film condoned it in any way and i don't it, i think it just showed it like, right exactly matter, like a matter of fact i don't think that what, it was i don't think that it was taking a side one way or the other it was just i think that they were really trying to go with making this as accurate as possible and if if that should happen then yeah put it in the movie yeah, because, I mean, Jason Clark's doing it at the beginning of the movie, and you see Jessica Chastain, who's sort of, like, taken aback by it a little bit. She's not exactly sure how to, to deal with the advanced interrogations and everything. And then, you know, later in the movie, Jason Clark sort of gets worn down from it and has to go back to Washington. And then you see Jessica Chastain start using it, and she doesn't. She sort of feels indifferent about using these tactics. But yeah, I don't think they really, like... It wasn't like in your face, like, we're making you think about this. What are your thoughts? I don't, yeah, I don't think the discussion about this film should be the moral dilemma of, you know, was that right? You know, should, should they have done that in order to find him and all that stuff? Like, I don't think that it should be about that. I think that it should just be simply a discussion about this is fucking insane. The, how they hunted him for 11 years and you know finally found him and the methodical way in which they actually found like killed him and that's the big payoff in this movie obviously is which i think was expertly done oh they didn't they did not turn this into you know some over the top spectacular action thriller at the end you know when they raid the compound it wasn't like 
you know, it wasn't uh, like a Hollywood action movie. They just did it very, you know, it seemed very realistic. Yeah, and it was awesome. Very methodical with, you know, tactical precision and everything. And it was just the only thing that I thought was slightly ridiculous in the raid scene is like how they were able to get some of the guys where they would just like call out their names and the guys are like, what, what's that? And then they get shot. It's like, are you serious? <laughs> I, I had some issues and, and I don't know if this is exactly how it went down. I mean, I know that like the helicopter crash really happened and stuff, but there are certain parts where yeah, I think they just guessed. I don't think they really know exactly. Well, I don't know. I guess we'll find out when this uh, Senate hearing Senate investigation comes back. No, the truth's not going to come out in that either. No, you're right. Uh, I There were certain things where I was just like, I don't really get it. Like how they made a big deal about using these stealth helicopters and stuff. And it's like, well, you know that the, the people inside the compound still heard the helicopters, right? Did, <laughs> I mean, the, the, the helicopter crashed. Yeah. How, how are they not like, oh, shit, what's going on outside? Not and, nothing. And I love how they still, even after the helicopter crash and stuff, they still were being all stealth about it. They had like the silencers and everything. And, and then they go in and I'm like, okay, they're going to be like picking these locks on these doors. No, they just blow them off. <laughs> they just blow them right up. off. And then I thought, why don't they take the helicopters and drop them off like half a mile down the road and just have them walk there? Yeah, really. If you're just going to pull doors off. Yeah. Like, <laughs> I don't, but anyway, the, I mean, those are all nitpicks, and I'm sure that there's solid explanations for all those things. Yeah, again, <laughs> we're, we're criticizing yeah. the Navy SEAL Team yeah. 6 raid of the, the Bin Laden compound where they were actually able to kill Bin Laden. Yeah, and they and were, we're, cl- we're, 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 we're sitting in our apartments going, yeah, I would have done it that way. <laughs> yeah, I don't want it to sound like I'm... Um, I just would like to know why they did it. That I'm sure that there is a valid explanation for all of that. They did it that way because it worked. Yeah, no, that's that's probably so, what, what it boils down to. That that it just worked, and it was the way that it was shot. Like you said, was awesome. I f- I fucking loved the whole end scene with the night vision and the, the lasers and the silencers. It was it was badass. I loved it. And yeah, it was unbelievable. Uh, one one other kind of nitpick I had with the movie is that I felt like there was a heavy-handed use of suspense throughout the movie where there were certain scenes where they ramped up the suspense and I felt like it was unnecessary and borderline ridiculous. Uh, the scene that I'm thinking of in particular is the text messaging scene. Oh, yeah. I was well, like, yeah. all right, come on. We don't... We don't need that. We know what's going to happen. Yeah. It it felt heavy-handed to me. A little bit. But again, that is You got well, you got to remember too. This is Catherine Bigelow. Yeah. <laughs> this is an like an amazing subtle director. And to her credit, it did ramp up the suspense. I mean, it it worked. I just I w- thought this I, was like suspense-wise and just overall was like 10 times better than the Hurt Locker. Maybe even more so. Because I, I wasn't really a big fan of the Hurt Locker. I thought it was absolutely ridiculous and unrealistic. 
Yeah, I mean, I, I liked the Hurt Locker. I'm not going to say I loved it or anything, but I liked it more than a lot of people I talked to. And this was a million times better. I mean... <laughs> and this brings me back to when we were talking about Silver Linings Playbook. You know, this is getting a lot of buzz because of the snubs and everything. So I'm thinking Best Director. She has to get nominated. To be able to put this movie together, all the different locations, the you know the material that you're dealing with, everything that you have to do to pull this movie off shows that you're a good director. Whereas David O. Russell gets a nomination for essentially a rom-com. Yeah. About this guy throws a tantrum once in a while and then they do some dancing. <laughs> no, I, I agree. I think that she should have been nominated and I think that david o russell shouldn't have been i absolutely agree on that yeah david o russell films a dance competition and Catherine bigelow has to reenact the raid on osama bin laden's compound yeah which one is more difficult <laughs> and I, shit it, i wonder yeah i mean i i was just overall i think that this movie's incredible it deserves any kind of nominations that it gets and it is shitty that she didn't get nominated i don't i just don't understand the academy well they're they're pussies let's just put it that way they're pussies pretty much no tarantino direct for director either which i think is stupid but yeah all right i gave this an eight out of ten in my review what are you gonna what are you gonna score this bad boy uh i think i gave it like a seven Seven? Okay. Seven, seven and a half. Seven point two five? So like a seven point three seven eight. There you go. Seven point three seven eight. There you have it. Zero Dark Thirty playing in theaters now. If you have not seen it, uh I highly, highly recommend it. Yes. It is definitely one of the best of the year in my opinion. Again, wouldn't have gone on my top ten, but it is still I think a must see. Is it is it sitting there at like eleven? Uh, I don't know. I'd have to look at the list. It's, yeah, maybe. Um, Let's move on. Talk about uh, the second movie of the week, Gangster Squad. This is a movie that probably should have came out last year sometime, but because of the, um, where was that? Aurora? The Aurora shooting? Yes. Uh, It got pushed back. It got re-edited, reshot parts of it the ending is different like it was basically completely changed this is directed by reuben fleischer and it stars ryan gosling emma stone sean penn josh brolin nick nolde giovanni ravisi josh pence uh anthony mackie's in it michael pena huge cast yes um now you're working on a review for this correct i'm trying to (laughs) trying to trying Uh, to all right, so I will start this review off, and I'll say that I really enjoyed this movie. And I looked at the reviews after I saw it, and this has like a 30-something on Rotten Tomatoes right now. Yeah. And this, I just don't, I don't, I don't get it. Like, I just don't get it. And, I mean, maybe, maybe you hated it. I don't know. But I don't see what is wrong with this movie. <coughs> I can tell you what's wrong with this movie because I fucking hated it. I this just, was I, this was a joke of a movie. I just didn't I didn't get it. 
I think we're going to disagree on this because uh, I mean, I was I, I will agree with you. I didn't read any reviews going in, but after I saw the film, you know, I read the reviews and I was I was slightly surprised. And I'm sure it's probably for the same thing as what some people were saying about this film, which is mainly that I don't know what people were expecting. Well, that's like, what, were they honestly expecting like a serious gangster flick? Well, that's I mean, what, this guy directed Zombieland in 30 minutes or less. Right. And that's exactly what I said <laughs> in my Letterboxd review. I was like, were people expecting Goodfellas or The Godfather? It's not that kind of movie. It's supposed to be like, as I was watching this, to me, it felt like like uh, an actual gangster movie that came out, you know, during that time. I mean, there was a million movies that came out that were exactly like this, with the same style of dialogue, and, you know, it's, sure, it's cheesy, it's over the top, it's ridiculous, but to me, uh, it wasn't trying to be something that, like, an award winner or anything like that. Yeah, not I at just, all. I just had, f- I had fun with the movie. I'd, the violence was over the top, the action was good, I, I mean... This is a circumstance of style over substance that, for me, worked. Mm. I don't think it did. I thought all the style in it was terrible. Just everything was cliched and just horribly done. I thought all the stylistic choices I thought were horrible. Yeah, I see. And I just, I think it's, I just, I don't think the movie knew what the hell it wanted it to be, honestly. Like, they tried to do some funny parts that just fell completely flat. And then you would have that, like, right afterwards or right before would be, like, this unbelievably ultra-violent scene. And then a couple seconds later, they would try and tug at your heartstrings. And just some of the stuff just, to me, was just came off laughable. Especially, I mean, the main thing that just, it happened late in the movie. Um, I'm talking about a, and this is probably a spoiler, so maybe I should save it for the spoiler. Yeah, let's section. I'll let's, save it for that. Yeah, let's let's do that. Yeah, I mean, I thought that uh, some of the some of the comedy didn't work, but I, I particularly like Robert Patrick's character. I thought he was awesome. I just uh, I just enjoyed it. I didn't read into it too much. I didn't. Um, go into it thinking it was going to be great I and just, i just i had fun with it i really wish that i could see like the original because i i have a pretty strong feeling that something happened here you know they had to well, reshoot it and everything we know that that's well documented they had to reshoot and re-edit it and all that stuff but it seems like they just weren't able to do it or they just didn't really care about the project as much anymore because i mean to bury it in january I think they even knew, like, oh, just, you know, bad timing. We just got to try and recoup some money. Let's just throw it out there. I I think that you're right on that, because essentially from what I read, they had to change the movie completely. So what we would have had in the original cut, I don't I don't know how it would have been different. Uh, I will say that they did a good job of hiding it, whatever they did, because I don't even know where the original ending would have happened. I I don't know. Like, I couldn't tell. I was looking for it. And I didn't see where that edit took place. 
but uh yeah i mean it was it was an average film for me i enjoyed it i didn't think it was mind-blowing but i liked the action and i will say that i do have a soft spot for movies that take place in la during this time period (laughs) that's that's not something that's a big secret yeah and i like most of the cast too so that that helped a lot and uh although i will say that i did not like Sean Penn at all. Oh, Sean Penn was just over the top. The volume knob turned up to like 14. I Yeah. I'd, With all this stupid, cliched gangster sayings. And I thought uh, Josh Brolin's voiceover. Oh, uh, they, that was, dude, I wish they would have cut that shit out. That was terrible. That was unnecessary. I did not like that whatsoever. And uh, Ryan Gosling, I, I don't was he not interested in this movie? Because it seemed like he was just sleepwalking <laughs> through the entire. Like he was just doped up. Yeah, he he's like he was um, definitely dry in this movie. He didn't have. Uh, you know, he, it reminded me that he was just playing his character from Drive, which <laughs> is kind of flat, but with less intensity. I mean, he wakes up for a little bit in this film where you're like, oh, shit, here we go. Goslin's going to go badass. And then, like, <laughs> you know, five minutes later, he's right back to being on fucking Ambien or something. I think he was like a drunk, so maybe that had something to do with it. I don't know. I didn't. I mean, there was there was definitely things that I did not like. I mean, I, I will say that. But overall, I enjoyed it. I like the whole concept of like this, you know police squad that's off the books that just goes around fucking up shit. Yeah, I like that idea too. I just wish that they were better at it because I thought that they were pretty terrible. Well, especially at the beginning. (laughs) I mean, mean, he's supposed to be this unbelievable soldier well-versed in guerrilla warfare. And like none of their plans, their plans were terrible. I don't know how the hell it worked. Mostly yeah. because it was a movie. That's how they worked because they made them. But uh, Lord have mercy. I would also like to learn about the true story of this and find out. Well, I think Mickey Cohen was that he actually went to jail for like tax evasion. I don't think this gangster squad shit ever happened. No, I'm pretty sure that there that the gangster squad was yeah. real, but yeah, but I don't, I don't know. think they succeeded. Yeah, I don't know what the true story was. I'd like to know. I did notice that uh, Daryl F. Gates played a, a small role. He was like the assistant. And I know that he went on to become like a big uh, head honcho in the FBI. Yeah. Because he did, you know how I know that? Because he did the Police Quest games. <laughs> <laughs> That's how I know that. Uh, uh, let's, okay, let's uh, go ahead and jump into some spoilers so you can vent some more on your hatred of this movie and i can futilely try to defend it uh we're in a spoiler section now we'll have the time code in the show notes so let's go ahead what what is it that you wanted to spoil about this uh the way that robert patrick died was the most oh laughable thing 
I have seen in a movie in years. When he handed just, when he handed Michael Pena the gun and um, oh, just that whole fucking scene. And then he does like the exaggerated like his eye. He rolls his eyes and then shuts him and just, just his head slouches down. I'm like, dude, that's how we would pretend die when we were like six years old playing cops and robbers. Are you kidding me? How he died didn't bother me, but the the scene with him giving over the guns and stuff I thought was really cheesy and uh the the fight scene between sean penn and josh brolin was i thought was completely terrible. unnecessary and, really- and it was it, it looked terrible yeah I, that was something that i noticed the um just the digital recording of that just it looked terrible i'm wondering amateurs. if that's if that was added in I think that because it, it, it looked completely out of place. Yeah, it did. It, it did look out of place. I didn't. I didn't like that. Uh, I felt like a lot of the characters were underdeveloped, especially like Michael. Michael. Pena. <laughs> <laughs> what? <laughs> like why was Michael? He, why the hell was Michael Pena? Why was there? he in it? I don't know. I have no like idea. he just shows up, and that was one of the. They would try and like add stuff with it, like the whole Robert Patrick at the end dying. Like trying to tug at the heartstrings here, and I'm just like, no, no one even cares about these guys. We, we don't even know who the hell Michael Pena is. He's been absent for yeah, they just ninety eight percent of the film. We have no idea who he is. I felt like a lot of the characters were underdeveloped. Like, like why, Anthony Mackie, yeah, like he's a knife thrower for some reason. <laughs> why is he a knife thrower? That's what what the he, hell is that? Maybe he's just good at throwing knives. For some reason he's knife throw i think when he did it at the end it was just a callback to earlier in the movie when he did it yeah when they're like hey remember he's a knife thrower <laughs> you remember how you liked that at the beginning here it is again yeah see these are all these are all issues that i recognize but i'm just able to give it a pass just because i had fun with it and it, it felt like a cheesy old gangster movie i mean th- this the way that this movie is is exactly like how those movies were back then. Yeah, but I also don't like those movies. Hell, there you go. But another thing that I want to stop, which is, this is on like a long, um, this list is getting longer and longer as we do these podcasts. But the slow motion gunfights, knock it off. Because the one at the end with the Christmas tree and all the presents and shit, that was terrible. Yeah, that looked so ridiculous. I didn't mind it. It felt, it felt, it certainly felt out of place. It felt out of place because the only other time that I can remember that they did it was at the very beginning when they show Sean Penn punching the punching bag. Yeah. I don't remember any other slow motion. Yeah, just out of nowhere. But see that but it's, it's, slow motion. Just they're walking past each other, and of course they never hit each other. They fire off like two hundred some rounds, and not one hits each other. And they're just like slow motion showing like ornaments getting shot. You're like, are you kidding me? And see that, but the funny thing is that was one of the things that made Zombieland so enjoyable was the super slow motion opening credits. Yeah, that was one of the coolest things about Zombieland. But then, eh, it didn't didn't really work so much in this one. Didn't work, and it was also terrible when they were in the when they were in prison. And they'd do the whole jailbreak. They did like the lights one out, and every so often it would be like a freeze frame because of the blast of the gun. I didn't mind that. I thought that was, I, that was cool. 
Yeah, the more I talk about this movie, the more I fucking hated it. <laughs> it's awful. Uh, I'm sticking by my original uh, thoughts on I didn't mind it. Compared to a lot of other movies that I see, this is not... Like, uh, I would probably put this on the same level as The Man with the Iron Fist, where it's like, it's not a good movie, but there's enough to just be entertained. Mindless mindless entertainment. There you go. I mean, I'd even went into that. I even went into this movie with that expectation. Because I knew who the director was. I mean, I saw Zombieland. I know what 30... 30 minutes or less is. I know this wasn't going to be like a serious gangster film. And that's what I was saying about, you know, we were talking about the reviews. I was completely surprised. I'm like, what the hell did you guys expect? Yeah. with the, I thought that the reviews were, were definitely off. I, mean, I think it still failed to me, but seeing what some of the people's, you know, what they're sort of complaining about, I'm just completely surprised. Why? Yeah, I don't. What I don't the hell know. were you expecting? So there you go. Touchables? You thinking it was going to be the Untouchables? Yeah, I don't know. I'm not dealing with uh, some Oscar-worthy uh, stuff here. I don't think it was that was ever the intention. But no. All right, let's go ahead and get out of the spoiler zone. Let's spoiler get out, zone. Let's get out of this. All right, we're back. Done with this movie. We're done with this movie. I want my money back. Kevin hated it. I want I want 113 minutes back. I thought it was okay. Uh, it's this is currently playing in theaters. Uh, I would if you do go see it. I would probably see it at a matinee where it's not as expensive. I do. I did have a funny experience with this film because I saw I saw it in a matinee, so I saw it with you know an older crowd. So as we're walking out, there's like a middle aged woman, probably in her 40s or something. And she has one complaint about this movie. Not the ultraviolence. I mean, a man's torn in half. That, and then yeah, eaten by coyotes. I do want to talk about that. Not, you know, the drill to the forehead. Any of those things. She has no problems with that. She's completely okay with those things. She is just really annoyed by how much they smoked in this movie. Yeah. She just, she couldn't believe it. It's the 40s. <laughs> I know. Everyone smoked. Like, 10-year-olds smoked. I do want to touch on the violence did. in this movie. Because it is uh, startlingly violent. Excessively violent. Like, it didn't... F- I felt like the violence didn't really fit. No, I mean, that's I, what I'm saying. That, that was my biggest qualm with this movie. Is it, very, it has tonal issues. You yeah, have, like, and, the ultra-violence and then the sappiness and then they're trying to be funny and... It's like, well, what the hell's going on? You're throwing, like, everything in the kitchen sink in here. But, you know, that we've seen gangster movies that have done that before, and I know that it can work. I mean, you look at, you look at um, L.A. Confidential, Goodfellas, all of those had all of those elements. They had comedic elements. They had, yeah. you know, stylistic scenes. They had action. They had all this stuff, ultraviolence. But... They were all able to pull it off in a big way, whereas this uh, didn't. It just didn't. Didn't mesh. Didn't gel. They rip a guy in half. They do rip a guy in half. So yeah. and then he's eaten by coyotes. Yes. So you do get to see that. That's pretty exciting. And that's how the movie starts. Yeah, that's the opening. So you, you know, 
So right off the bat, you're like, what? What is this going to be? Yeah. Because it seems like Sean Penn thought he was in like a serious gangster film, but he no one else it. was. Yeah. He Maybe was... Josh Brolin thought he was in one too. I don't even know. I don't know about him either. I don't even. Michael Pena didn't even know he was in the movie. <laughs> he didn't. Brian Gosling didn't want to be in the movie. Oh, my. Anthony Mackie t- de- desperately wanted to be in more of the movie. It was just... And Robert Patrick seems like he was in a completely different movie. <laughs> he was in a Western. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, man. There you go. Gangster Squad. Check it out or don't. <laughs> <laughs> Check it out. Maybe? Uh, I don't know. Just don't go into it thinking it's going to be anything substantial. Uh, Let's go ahead and move on. Talk about some predictions. We didn't uh, actually predict anything last week because we did our year-end show. So um, the last prediction we did was actually for Texas Chainsaw. And you predicted four. I predicted 20. Actual was 19 on that. That was the only one we predicted. Oh, come on. Uh, Let's go over what we have coming out next week. Mama. Got some mama. More Jessica Chastain action. Uh, what do you think about this? What do you think about mama? I don't, I don't know. I don't know what to think about mama. You know, it's based on a short film by the same guy that directed it. And the story is that Guillermo del Toro saw the short film and loved it. So he was like, hey, why don't you make this into a feature? I'll help you out. The rest is history. Yeah. And I haven't seen the short film. It is available for free online to check out, but haven't checked that out. Um, I'm going to say, like, oh, God. With movies like this, they could really go either way. Yeah. <laughs> like, Because this, this does look like it could be good, but there was also some parts of the movie where this could be... Yeah, it could be all to me. It, to me, it could be laughable. And and with a lot of movies that are like this, you never know because the trailer looks creepy and atmospheric and whatnot, and then the movie just turns out to be garbage. Like uh, Dream, was it Dream House? The one with Daniel Craig, like that looked cool. Or like Insidious. There's just so many, so many that we could name. So I'm gonna say like 57. Okay, I'm gonna go a little bit higher. Because of the names attached. I'm going to go like a 68. Okay. And then we have Broken City. This is the Russell Crowe, um, Mark Wahlberg thriller. What are you thinking on this one? Mm. Uh, thinking like a, I want to say like a 50. Like right in the middle. Maybe like a 48. I'm going to go 48. 48? Okay. Uh, mm, this is, I don't know. I'll say 50. Because you never know. This is the season of questionable films. I mean, could be. It is one of the Hughes brothers. I mean, they usually make some good films. I didn't know that it was one of the Hughes brothers. Yeah. Did not know that. I don't know. know. I'm going to stick with a 48. Okay. And then finally, we have The Last Stand with Arnold making his big man comeback here. Again, we talked about this before. The only reason I'm interested in this is the director. It's the same guy that did I Saw the Devil, which is 
incredible. Yeah. But we got Schwarzenegger, Johnny Knoxville. Johnny Knoxville. Uh, I, d- I really... <laughs> this uh, one, I, I really hope that they prove me wrong. I really hope they prove me wrong, too, but I'm going to say 36. <laughs> I'm going to say, like, a 30. I... It just... It just doesn't look good. It doesn't look good at all, and I, I really hope that I'm wrong, and I really hope that I enjoy it, but... So that's all we have in theaters next weekend. DVD and Blu-ray releases. This is for Tuesday, January 15th. Is that correct? What's that? What's that? Sorry. That's DVD, DVD releases is, is Tuesday the 15th? Yes, I think so. Yes. 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 Um, got some good ones and then some pretty crap pretty crap ones here. Uh, Detropia, which I mentioned earlier. This is a great documentary. Highly recommend checking that out. Wake and Fright. Is out on Blu-ray. I got it. Got it in the mail a couple days ago. Rewatched it. Very enjoyable on a rewatch. This is uh, the Australian film that's considered to be like the ultimate Australian film. Mm. It's came out in 1971. It was. It did have a brief distribution here in the states, but it something happened where it kind of just fell off. <coughs> And Drafthouse Films tried to get the rights to it. They finally did after a three-year struggle. And now it's it's out. They restored it. It looks great on Blu-ray. Definitely recommend checking that out. Then we have About Cherry. I had no interest in seeing that. No. Branded. Uh, I attempted to watch this and turned it off because it was so horrible. Or because it was that good. You couldn't handle it. My mind couldn't handle the awesome. Exactly. The Possession. This is another crap movie that I couldn't bring myself to watch. Taken 2. (laughs) Taken 2. Refer to my last comment. Uh, I hope number... I hope they come out with a third one. Yeah, I hope so too. And it it takes place in space. Yes. (laughs) Uh, To Rome with Love... Did not like this one either. Big disappointment for that one. And finally, won't back down. And that's uh, that's pretty much it. That is a yep. Yeah, it's pretty. That's, that's a that's a solid uh, solid day there. Well, I have two. It might be a little bit better than the ones we mentioned. Two Criterion's coming out. Uh, the first one is The Man Who Knew Too Much, which is early, early Hitchcock, 1934, mm-hmm. coming out on the old Blu-ray. So, I mean, and that's the number one thing I've learned about Hitchcock is, have you ever met someone that doesn't like Hitchcock? Nope. Ne- me either. I don't know if I've met anyone that loves, like, 1930s Hitchcock. Uh, I haven't seen a lot of his really early stuff. I think uh, thirty nine. I think thirty nine steps is that. That was one of his earlier ones, and I loved it. So, uh, and then we have one other one here: a German film, The Tin Drum, by Volker Schlendorf. <laughs> Schlendorf. Uh, this is based on a Gunther Grass novel, uh, where a kid on his third birthday just refuses to grow older 
and that's what happens. Oh, okay. Sounds fun. And it's what well, it's during World War Two too. So you have that. It's uh it's a pretty solid film. I enjoyed it. It's different. But I definitely definitely one to check out. Okay. There you have it. Pretty light week on uh the D V D and Blu rays. Not a lot oh, to, yeah. not a lot to talk about. Not at all. I would recommend checking out Wake and Fright though. If you're if you're a fan of seventies films definitely one to check out i think that does it that's it i think that's it for all the latest film news and reviews visit us at filmpulse.net we want to hear your feedback send us an email at feedback filmpulse.net or call our voicemail line at 850-391-6071 also please take a minute to rate us on itunes we appreciate that greatly for filmpulse.net my name is adam and i'm kevin and we'll see you on wednesday for ryan watches a movie when we have him watch end of days Movies bulletproof this with some nerve Like pulling toothless when you're 16 Coming through ruthless, yeah your boy ruthless Like ice cubes turn the whole city on I'm the new plug So if this is your first time hearing this You're about to experience someone so But I hope you leave enough room for my fist Because I'm going to ram it into your stomach And break your goddamn spine <laughs> oh god oh god